If you have your Bibles and want to turn there, we're in the Old Testament book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible. We just started it. It's all the way back at the beginning. And these are the names is the actual title of the book. And we've looked at that and we're doing chapter three and part of chapter four today because it's one unit. But I want to say this, you know, ever since I've been in Bellingham and it's been 15, 16 years, ever since there's always a little place I drive by in town that bothers me. Man, if this is your house, I'm so sorry. Because I drive by and there's this retaining wall that's kind of bulging the wrong way. It's like they built it so instead of it going in, it goes out. And every time I drive by, I'm like, oh, it's going to fall. It's not going to work. This is not the right thing. It's not the right way. I'd, I want to get out and fix it. But you know what? It's been 15 years. At some point, I'm like, well, it's serving its usefulness, huh? It hasn't fallen down. It's still there. It'll probably be there when I'm gone. Because that's longer than, it's amazing, right? But, but I think sometimes we're like that in our Christian life, you and me. I'm a little bit like, man, if God's going to use me, I got to be the right person. I got to be the right, I don't know, I got to have my ducks in a row. Right? I, I don't think that maybe in, in some visceral sense, like, uh, but I feel like, well, I, I do. I, I think God uses stuff that's right and true, and that means if I want to be used by him, then he's going to make me something upright and perfect. Or maybe what I feel like is, you know what? I'm going to miss it. If I'm not laser beam focused on what God wants for me, you ever hear the concept of a still, small voice? Let's get still in this moment. Can you still hear me? If you get loud, you might miss it. Right? So I get that about, well, is God really going to use me? And you know, I'm not really worthy of being used. And he seems to use these other guys. I see him on TV. What about me? Is God really using me? And I start to get a bit anxious because I'm not, doesn't seem like my life's going anywhere. And my circumstances don't seem particularly marvelous. And so, so I think maybe I'm, Maybe God doesn't work in my little life. Maybe it would if I was more committed. This week's for you. This is the most amazing story in the Bible for you. Because it's about Moses, the man of God. He's the guy. He's not some minor character in the Bible, you know. For the whole tribe of Israel, he's, he's the one. He's the one who talked to God face to face. He's the one whose life matters. He's the one who stands in the gap for Israel. He's the one who points to Jesus. This is the guy. And I want you to see the amazement of what this is, of God breaking in and entering into Moses' life in a way he hadn't done before. As, as far as we know, when we start our text this morning, Moses doesn't worship God. We don't know for sure, but it sure doesn't say so. Right? And he, he's, he doesn't expect God to be guiding his life or using him. And, and so you've got to understand who this guy is we're going to talk about today. He, he, was, he, was this, he had this amazing, miraculous childhood like the anointed one, he got adopted into the ruler's family and he threw it all away. Boneheaded move. He murdered someone and he ran and he ran into the desert and he just started living with some priest of whoever. 
not a priest of God. And he settled down and he just started living there. And he, so he's hanging out there and he said, there he is, living his life, having a family. And this is about who God is and how he works and how God calls. And I, I think we have a calling. And I want you to know it and I want you to have confidence in it. And so I want you to see first about breaking in because here God breaks in. And, and, and it's not subtle. For those who think that, oh man, if I just were focused enough, I would understand God. God doesn't need to be subtle. He's not trying to fake you out. Let's look. Let's look at the text. So chapter 3, we'll start in verse 1, and and it says this. Now, the curtain comes up. This is a new scene, and this is one unit, all we're looking at this morning. So it's quite a bit of text, but it's a story. Just flow with the story with me, will you? So now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb the mountain of God. Okay, so there's two absolutely firecracker events that happen right here. And you'll miss the first one because the second one's cool and involves a bush and burning. But the first one just happened. Somehow Moses, as he's hanging out doing nothing, living his life, doing what he's doing with his father-in-law, who's the priest of Midian, raising his kid, taking care of not even his own flock, but his father-in-law's, not like he's a wealthy guy. He happens, circumstantially, to end up at Horeb. You're like, well, that doesn't sound very interesting. Yeah, you might know Horeb by another name. Sinai. Have you ever heard of Mount Sinai? That's where the Ten Commandments came from God. So before Moses did that, God had him just show up at the right place at the right time. Was he like planning that? He said, let's go over to the mountain of God and hang out. No. God got him there. Big event. Huge deal. There he is. God's work. God's at work. Moses is clueless. He's just living. And boom, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, hey, I'll turn aside to see that great sight. Why the bush is not burned? (laughs) No duh, right? This bush is on fire, but it's not burning. Wow. You know, I will will turn aside and see this great sight. Sounds like he's like fako, right? But, But it's not really. This is, he's, is he talking to the sheep? No, you can't miss it. Something huge is happening. This is not subtle. It's like, oh, you know what? I, I, I think I'll ignore this incredible huge fire on the stage. Like God doesn't like put a tiny spark over there. And if you're really watching with your binoculars at the side of the mountain, you might see. This is big, right? So the Lord saw it, says, that, that, that he turned aside to see and God called him out of the bush. Moses. Moses, and, and Moses said, here I am. And then, and then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for this place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, 
I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he is afraid to look at God. Okay, so out of the blue, in the middle of nowhere in his life, God speaks to Moses, and he says three things, right? Right there, he said three things to him. First off, off with the shoes, buddy. Right, this is holy ground. Where God is, that's holy. Moses, by, by implication, right, is not holy. God's breaking in the holy to the unholy. He's actually not his buddy. He's not his friend. He's not his equal. He's God, and he's so incredible that if we actually looked on him, we'd die. That's God. This is amazing, this God that we have. That's the first thing. God's holy. He said, take off. This is special ground to me. And then he says, I'm the God of your people, your father, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the one you've heard of but never followed, the God of the people you've abandoned. Right? Isn't that what God says? Because those people are the people back in Egypt. And Moses is living with who again? Random Midianite. He's married to one of them. He's had a kid. He's not with his people. God's come out and he's getting him. And, 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 and Moses hides his face. He's afraid. I think he's probably thinking God's come to kill him. I'm the God of your fathers and look where you've gone. Right? So Moses hides his face. He's afraid. And I, I think he's probably thinking God's come to kill him. So this is a prize. This third thing God says is this. Then the third league, the Lord says, I've surely seen the afflictions of my people who are in Egypt. And have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. And I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up out of that land to a good and and broad land. A land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Parasites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The land of the Ites. And now behold, the cry of the people have come to me and I have also seeing the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. So I've heard of them, says God. And I have a plan. I'm going to bring my people out of Egypt to a land of milk and honey. That's good. I've heard their suffering. I'm their God by my choice. Oh, and one more thing, Moses, one more thing. Come. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. That's the burning bush scene. And, and I want to make sure you see a couple things. Would you, I want to say a couple things before we look at part two of the interaction. This interaction continues. This is just part one of it, but this is part one. That's God breaking in. It's here. Don't, don't ever let anyone say that you will miss the call of God. Right? I mean, come on. Like you can miss it if you're not living right. Uh, Moses is living in the desert, having run away from his people, or somehow you can miss it if you're not paying attention. It's like, oh, excuse me, huge fire on aisle nine. Massive flood. You're like, oh, I guess I'll just go look at it. Booming voice comes out. Well, it's a good thing he wasn't wearing his earplugs. No, he's not going to miss it, right? Absolutely in your face amazing and most especially most especially that if you don't do your part if you aren't listening well that somehow you want to accomplish what he hopes for you 
Like, poor God, he keeps tapping with the little tiny voice, and you won't listen to him. What? He's got a big voice. He can do it, right? He can break in, and here he does. He, 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 he tells you what he wants of you, and he's told us, right? He wants you to trust his son, Jesus. He wants you to trust what he did for you on the cross. But we're just part way, you know, we're not even to the main extensive talk that Moses and God have. And part of it's the same scene. It's one piece. I can't break it up. So, so, okay, Moses, God says to him, I'm, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh that you may bring the people out of Egypt, my people. That's a clear statement from God of what he's going to do through Moses. And I would just ask, put yourself in Moses' shoes for a minute. What would you say? What would it be for you? God's essentially, he's broken your window. All of a sudden, your whole paradigm shifts. God, the God of my fathers, is sending me. And I think the rest of this is here, this incredible rest of this piece, to understand the heart of God is God doesn't just break, break, he, he breaks and enters into the life of Moses. So he enters in. It's incredible, this interaction. It echoes what, what I think everyone should think when God breaks in. Uh, if you say, okay, God will absolutely put on my heart what I'm going to do. He'll be clear. He won't leave me hanging. But would he really use me? And so these objections, Moses has objections. God says, I'm sending you. Moses is like, I, 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 I object. And we object. I want you to see. Come look first objection. Moses has five objections. Five of them. Five things where he goes like, well, maybe God would use me. Maybe not. Look, 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 look at this. This is really fun. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? But God said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Well, do you see what he says? He's like, I, I'm nobody. I've, I've blown it big time. Uh, you can't use me. God's like, oh no, that's okay. I'm the one doing it. I'll be with you. Hey, here's the sign. I'll actually get you right here back to this mountain with all the people. Put your heart at rest. I'm doing it, says God, right? Doesn't he say that? So that's one. Like God says, well, I'll, I'll do it. He says, well, I guess if God's going to be the one doing it, it doesn't matter. We're unworthy and unable and have blown it too many times. So we're all murderers and adulterers and who whateverers, Sinners. God is the one who does it all, right? If he doesn't want something to happen, neither do we. That's so reassuring. <laughs> he can use you. It's not about your worthiness, right? So there's the first one. Here's the second one. Then Moses said to God, he says it to him again, something different. If I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What do I say to them? So God says to Moses, I am who I am. 
And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And God said to him, Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go, gather the elders of Israel together. Say to them, the Lord, the God of your of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac of Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I've observed you and what's been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt and to the land of the Canaanites, to the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. Okay, this big, long paragraph. I know, I start reading this big, long paragraph, I'm losing some of you, you get it. But, but it just... It just echoes, right? The reason why we get lost in it a little bit, it's because it just echoes. What God already said to him. God says to Moses, hey, Moses, just get the people together. Just tell them what I told you. That's all he's doing, right? That's what he's saying. It's not rocket science, Moses. It's not a question of you don't know enough. It's not a question you're not studied enough. I'm talking to you. I just told you. And even then, look what God says to Moses. And they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now please let us go on a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. And after that, he'll let you go. I will give the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. When you go, you shall not go empty, but each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing, and you'll put them on your sons and on your daughters, and so shall you plunder the Egyptians. Wow! God says, okay, here's the plan. By the way, we'll refer back to this and see if this is what happened. But little tiny hint. Yes, exactly, right? This is what's going to happen. And so here's God. He's like, okay, you don't know me or what's up, so let me just tell you the whole plan. This is it. But I don't know the plan. Okay, well, here it is. (laughs) That's the next objection, right? So, So I'm not worthy, he says. No problem, I'll be the one acting, says God. Well, I don't know enough, says Moses. Well, here's the plan. What's the next thing? Well, no one's going to believe me. That's the next thing. Chapter 4. Because Moses answers, third objection, but behold, they will not believe me or, or listen to my voice. They're going to say, the Lord didn't appear to you. Okay, that's just the most amazing thing ever. Moses, and he's talking to a bush. He's talking to the angel of the Lord at the burning bush, the very presence of God. And some people say the presence of Christ, a theophany, a Christophany, whatever you want to say. It's the messenger of God, the very presence of God. And he's, he's, he's kind of like walking him through it and holding his hand. This is our God. He made the universe. He's so patient. Why would anyone believe me, says Moses? Well, yeah, here's, here's, here's why. 
Lord says to him, what's in your hand? And he said, a staff. So he said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground. And it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. This is so comical. Throw your serpent. Something comes, ah! <laughs> Moses is so nothing. God makes his staff turn into a snake, and Moses runs away from the snake like he sees a spider. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and he caught it and it became a staff in his hand. Whoa. The reason why that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Are you starting to get it? That God really has this identity of he is for his people. And he's willing to use his people too. And he's just choosing to use this, dare I say Yahoo? I'm sorry, Moses. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And the Lord said, well, put your hand back inside your cloak. And so he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. And if they won't believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. Yeah, I remember all those babies that are still being killed. You take some of that water they're drowning the babies in, and I'll turn it to blood. Their guilt's on them. Whoa. Wow. Wow. This is all huge, heavy, big stuff, right? This is amazing. This is miraculous. And God's, God says, I'm going to use him. But the most amazing thing is the patience with Moses. And he wants something done. He's going to do it. He wants to interact with his people. He says, well, no one's going to believe me. He says, that's okay, Moses. I'll back you up. That's what that is, right? This is the truth. I'll back you up. Uh, the miracles are going to happen from your hand. Wow. Moses is still, well, God, God, God doesn't understand my background, my trouble. I, I, yeah. This is why it becomes more like us. I feel like I'm not worthy. I'm too messed up. I, I, no one's going to believe me. I don't really know enough. And then this one, this fourth one. You know what? I, I'm not really gifted. I, I don't really have the skills. Because right? now Moses says to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent. Either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and of tongue. Yeah. I don't speak very well. Some of these people think Moses had a speech impediment, but they only think that because of this right here. Moses is like, you know, really, I'm not gifted in this kind of stuff. You want me to be a mouthpiece, but I'm not, not a public speaker. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? By the way, every time you see capital L-O-R-D, it's Yahweh, right? The I am <laughs> scattered around. I am now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what you shall speak. So Moses is like, I'm not gifted. And God said, well, who made you? I'm the one choosing you. 
Can't I do with you what I want? Amazing, right? All of this is just really fears that Moses had because there's a deeper problem. It's a problem that affects most people. It's, I'm living my life here and it's a small life, it's a regular life, it's a simple life. I don't really want to do that. I don't really want to. You've told me what you're going to do with me specifically. That's pretty special. You don't do that with everyone, but I'm not sure. But I mean, I mean, peace out, right? Because look, this is the last thing he says. He says, oh Lord, please send somebody else. <laughs> this is the last objection. It's a doozy. It's like, please, somebody else. And, and God's just told him, this is my plan. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. It's about you. You're gonna, I've got you. And Moses is like, that's all like, can you just do somebody else? I'm not worthy. I'm not gifted. I don't really know. I, I, I've already messed up my life, and it's over here. Now the Lord gets angry. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he seeks you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach both of you what to do. He shall speak for you to the people and he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him and take your hand in your hand, his staff, which you shall do the signs. Like, I don't want to please somebody else. Well, you're going one way or the other, right? I hear, okay, fine, here's Aaron. You can, I'm still using you, but you can go ahead and use him as a prop. I'm not worthy, I've got you. I don't know enough, here's the plan. They won't believe me, I'll, I'll equip you. I'm really not that gifted. I made you for this. I don't want to. That's my plan, kid. And with that, the scene ends. The curtain comes down right there. God has arranged for Moses to be at Sinai, to break into his life and to enter into his life, to, to commission him as life totally changed from what it was before. And I just, I just the thing about you and me, is we're not Moses, right? There's a, a way in which this echoes Christ even. Don't you get pictures of the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus, our Savior, actual Savior, is crying tears of blood saying, Lord, Lord, can, this, can you choose someone else? And God says, no. Yet not my will, but your will be done. So there's a beautiful picture of Christ in this and here. But there's important ways we're not like Moses. But don't miss that you are are here, and this is written for you and me, to have confidence. That's what this is, right? In your life, God is your God, and you are in his family, not because you do great things for him, but because you trust Jesus, the announcement of forgiveness in his blood, his sacrifice for you. So you can't miss what God has for you, because he will act. Don't worry that some small detail will keep you from him because Moses was clueless as all get out. And there was this huge burning bush. Don't worry that you aren't good enough, that you don't know enough, that you aren't gifted enough because everything, everything is always about God's working. We're prone to make up work we should do for God and put that on other people. 
put it on ourselves. And here we have God saying, I know what I want to happen, and, and I, will, I will get him to where he's supposed to be. God got Moses to Horeb. He broke into his life. He took this unworthy, ruined person, and he made him the one through the ages that they look back and say, wow, God used him to give his amazing law. He may not use you to do something like that. We all image Christ in different ways. But I do know this. We have a God who uses us and uses you. And it's not about how you've screwed up. And it's not about how much you know. And it's not about how worthy you are. And it's not about how awesome you're going to be. It's not about you detecting, like with an encoder ring, what God's going to do and wants you to do. It's you living life and trusting that God will break in. He will use you in your desires in your passions, in your life, in your days, in your normalness, and he will do crazy things when he wants to, right in the midst of it. So don't lose heart. Stay at the cross and know that God has you. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for the amazing story of Moses and your call of him. What an amazing picture of our Savior, how humble he was. how amazing you are and patient with us. And Father, we pray, I pray today for this body and this place of filled with broken people like me. Lord, help us to have confidence that you've got us. Not just like in some heaven sense, but to do the things you want accomplished, to grow us as you want to grow us, to break into our lives and to, to give us your spirit to use us to bear fruit, to give us value and meaning. Lord, we pray for all of that. And above all, we trust you that you're making it happen. Dear Father, thank you. It's in your name. Amen.